This is Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi, two of the top web bloggers in the legal profession. And yes, they are attorneys, one from California and one from Massachusetts, squaring off on legal news and legal observations. Lawyer to Lawyer is sponsored by Law.com, right here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to Legal Talk Network. We're glad you could listen today to our program, Lawyer to Lawyer. I'm Craig Williams from sunny Southern California. And this is Bob Ambrogi, normally from Massachusetts, but coming to you today from the Idaho State Bar Association annual meeting in Boise, Idaho. I write the blog Law Sites, another blog called Media Law, and also the legal blog Watch for Law.com. Craig? I write a blog called May It Please the Court. Uh, Bob, today we're going to focus on the topic of lawyers and their personal battles outside of the courtroom, specifically in the area of mental health and substance abuse. Depression among attorneys uh, in the uh, depression among those in the law profession has been receiving more attention uh, in the press lately, uh, and uh, I'm not sure whether that's because it's becoming more of a problem or just becoming more of a noticed problem, but we can ask our guests about that. I'd like to welcome our guest today, Attorney Dan Lukasik from the firm of Canto, Lukasik, Dulce, and Panapinto. The firm concentrates its practice in the area of personal injury law located in Buffalo, New York. We're not going to be addressing uh, the professional aspect of what Dan does today, but rather a personal toll that it once took on his career, how he's overcome it, and now he's helping other lawyers avoid similar issues. Dan, I hope I pronounced your name and law firm correctly. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. Also joining us today is Ellen Murphy, who is Executive Director of Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers uh, in Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, LCL is a private nonprofit Massachusetts corporation. It's the state's sole lawyer assistance program, assisting lawyers, judges, law students, and their families who are experiencing uh, issues, uh, impairments in their ability to function as a result of personal mental health addiction or medical problems. Uh, Welcome to the program, Ellen. Hi, thanks for addressing this issue, Bob and Craig. You're quite welcome. Well, Dan, let's start with you. Um, the law profession's, you know, definitely a high stress and sometimes high emotions and uh, frequently attracts fairly high-strung people to it and type A personalities. And I think it, it adds up to some significant personal issues for attorneys, which are handled in very different ways by different people. Um, from what we can tell the, by your website, you've certainly been through this battle. Um, why don't you tell us about your website and actually what happened with you? Sure. Uh, just to give it some, some, some context, uh, I'd like to talk about depression in general just quite briefly. Um, the World Health Organization, who studied this, said that as many as 121 million people a year worldwide are affected by depression. 19 million American adults suffer from depression every year. And then they've done a number of studies addressing lawyers and depression. There's a very well-known John Hopkins study, which studied 108 occupations to see which professions or occupations people tended to have the most problems with uh, depression. Uh, Interestingly enough, uh, number one, top on the list, was lawyers. And they found that lawyers suffered from clinical depression at a rate of four times that of the national population. My own battles with depression, uh, I think, uh, have occurred over the last five or six years. I'm 46 years old and the managing partner at a law firm here in Buffalo of about 13 lawyers who do personal injury work representing plaintiffs. 
And I think that uh, you touch on an interesting point about uh, the stress in the profession, the uh, sometimes high expectations from our, our fellow attorneys, partners, and clients. And I think stress, what I'd like to underscore, pay attention to, is stress has a, a, a very powerful effect on the human body and the human brain. And the most recent research, neuroscience research, suggests that people who suffer from true clinical depression uh, have a genetic uh, propensity for it because they're not stress-resilient. In other words, their, 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 uh, their minds and their bodies react differently to stress uh, than, uh, than other people who, who apparently do not have that genetic makeup. So I don't think, in my opinion, it's stress that causes depression, amongst lawyers, but it is a contributing factor which seems to, uh, which seems to activate a process in the, in the body and the mind that uh, can lead to depression or exacerbate it. Well, what did you find? Uh, you've shared your personal story on your website. Yes. Uh, how to, give our wrestlers a little bit of a, a, a summary of how it affected you and, and what you've done about it. Well, it, you know, it affected me, and I, I think anybody who's been through it, has, it's affected me on a very deep personal level. Uh, about five years ago, uh, it, I think it started to catch up to me, and uh, I went to my family doctor, and my chief complaint was that I was tired all the time. Uh, it felt like I had concrete running through my veins. Um, I was having problems with sleeping and waking up quite a bit. Uh, problems with uh, crying or, or prolonged periods of sadness, and uh, in particular at work, trouble concentrating. I just could not seem to focus my mind on those things I wanted to. My family doctor said, you know, Dan, I think you really uh, need to see a psychiatrist. And uh, I was, to say the least, you know, kind of surprised by it. I'd never seen a psychiatrist. And so I went, followed my doctor's orders and went to see one, and he took my history and he said, you know, I really think that you're suffering from clinical depression. You have the family history. Uh, I think there's a genetic component to it and you're in a, you're in a high stress profession. And uh, he put me on antidepressants and I was having a great deal of trouble uh, dealing with the physical effects of the medication. And I had to come and, you know, I had to talk to my three other partners about what had happened. And, uh, when I told my three partners that I was suffering from clinical depression and under the care of uh, some psychiatrist and a doctor and a psychologist, uh, to be honest with you, they were shocked. And uh, they said they had no idea. And uh, my one partner said, you know, gee, how can that be true? You know, you have such a great life. You've got a great job, a great family. Do you need to go on a vacation? Is that what you need, more vacation time? And I, I said to him, you know, quite frankly, that it wasn't a question of that. Uh, when I went on vacations, I was depressed uh, because, you know, depression is often an, an experience that comes from the inside out. Your brain and your nervous system are just not firing correctly. Well, let's, let's bring our other guest into, into this uh, conversation. I just want to ask, Ellen, you're organization uh, obviously deals with lawyers who have depression and uh, uh, also uh, with a range of other issues that, that lawyers encounter. Tell us a little bit about, about what you do and, and the scope of what LCL uh, it gets involved in. 
Sure. We are, uh, uh, as you said, a lawyer assistance program for lawyers, judges, and, in fact, law students and any of their, their family members and colleagues. Um, and we deal with, we like to call it a, a, a broad broad brush program. Um, we Most lawyer assistance program, including ours, started out uh, treating lawyers with substance abuse. But what we found is that as the demands of the profession have increased, um, so have the complications um, that lawyers deal with. And we see a variety of issues, uh, career struggles, financial struggles, uh, practice management type struggles. And we also see a lot of depression and addiction problems. Um, and what's interesting is, listening to Dan, is that I, I think it's true that depression um, is frequently uh, pervading any of the other issues that we might see in some form or another. And I think there is frequently a thought that what I'm experiencing isn't bad enough. And so therefore, you know, I, I don't need to seek help. There are people out there who feel much worse um, when in fact it's just one of the one of the pieces of the problem. Well, I assume there's, these are, there's a lot of overlap. I mean, I assume there's a lot of uh, uh, people who have depression who also have substance abuse problems and vice versa. How, how do lawyers get to LCL? Do they come to you themselves? Or are they referred to you? And, and what do you do when they get there? Lawyers, lawyers come to us in, in one of two ways. They either, they either come themselves, um, which I would say is about 50% of our clientele, and then about 50% who are referred by someone else but, but still always come voluntarily. Um, folks don't, we, don't, we don't see folks um, involuntarily. We're not, we're not the cops. Um, but they come to us. Um, they frequently hear about us. We do a lot of outreach through bar organizations, CLEs. Uh, Massachusetts does not have mandatory CLE, um, as some states let's do. Let's keep it that way. <laughs> <laughs> as some states do. So, so, but we do we do CLE presentations. We do bar presentations. We send out. Um, brochures and flyers and attorney registration dues. We do lots of programs on stress and stress management and work-life balance, topics that tend to be a little more appealing as opposed to depression or substance abuse. But when you talk about it in terms of work-life balance and stress, which, as Dan said, can be components um, of depression and can be contributing factors to depression, it tends to be a little a little better received. So lawyers come in. We have three clinicians on staff, social workers and psychologists, who see the lawyers um, confidentially. We have confidentiality under the model rules of professional responsibility and do basically what we call an assessment and referral. Um, talk to the lawyer about what's going on or the judge or the law student and then get them in the place that they need to be. We don't have enough resources to do long-term counseling, but our clinicians do an excellent job of matching lawyers' geography, health insurance plan, and primary problem with, um, with clinicians in our referral database. We also have support groups for lawyers, solo practitioners. We have support groups for lawyers who are struggling with um, the kind of tangential effects of the disciplinary process, and what, as you began to realize that you were dealing with depression and as you brought it to your partners, were, were there organizations like this that you turned to, or, or who did you turn to? Well, I think uh, I'm a member of the New York State Bar Association Lawyers Assistance Committee, uh, which is made up of uh, lawyers and judges. And uh, I was asked to be a member of that committee about a year and a half ago. 
and uh, I'm the only person on the committee presently who is uh, dedicated to addressing depression. Most of the other people on the committee uh, are addressing alcoholism principally, which is a very noble uh, thing, but I really thought and wanted to turn my attention to depression. I've never been an alcoholic. Uh, my father died from it years ago, but I'd never been an alcoholic. And I really thought that uh, there was a lot of uh, attention and resources that should be devoted to this group, given the statistics I've just cited. And one of the places I began my work was uh, creating a website called lawyerswithdepression.com, it's not for profit or anything like that. My sole intention in creating it was to help other lawyers with depression. And when I first started uh, creating it and thinking about it, uh, depression can be an extremely lonely uh, disease, an isolating disease. There's a lot of uh, shame attached to it and stigma attached to it. And when I first started trying to address this, I, I'd get on the website and look for a site which was for lawyers with depression. And, you know, and I was really shocked uh, that I couldn't find anything. I, there were plenty of sites about depression in general, and there were plenty of uh, lawyers assistance programs, which are wonderful, wonderful organizations. Uh, but I couldn't find something specifically addressed to this topic that I'm interested in. So uh, I uh, uh, grabbed my uh, web designer who designed our law firm website, and I told him what I was doing and wanted to create, and the two of us created this website uh, which has articles, podcasts, links, where to get help, uh, things of that nature. And it, and it actually, uh, you know, is trying to solicit articles from other lawyers and judges and law students about their own struggles with depression. And uh, that's what it's about. Well, Dan, when you uh, first felt that you had uh, some reason to go see a, a doctor, for the listeners who are struggling with some of the same problems, what was the tipping point for you? Where did you finally get to the point where you said, you know, I just really need to see somebody about this? And how did you determine that you really needed to get it handled? Well, I think that, uh, you know, it's a good question because a lot of people say to me who've never experienced depression, you know, what is it? And uh, one senior lawyer I talked to said, well, you know, everybody gets down or gets the blues or, you know, our profession is tough. But I really think that that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about clinical depression, which is actually an illness, a physical illness, which manifests in the brain and the body. And I think, you know, when I tried to talk to people about, you know, what is the dividing line? And for me and for those I know, the dividing line is impairment. Impairment usually on a daily basis, and impairment in your daily uh, living, including sleep, eating, uh, uh, concentration. Uh, for me, a particular uh, aspect of it was losing interest in things that I used to enjoy, uh, going on vacation, playing sports. I lost all interest in those things. Uh, there's, for many people, a state, and there was for me, of agitation, restlessness, irritability, fatigue. Um, you know, what most people, I think, don't appreciate about depression is that it's not in your head. It's a physical uh, problem. And I feel it and have felt it very, very much so physically, on a physical level. That impairment must, must clearly have implications for the practice and the clients. I mean, Ellen, you, you mentioned uh, 
at least in passing, that, that some of these cases have, have disciplinary aspects to them. I mean, I mean is there uh, are there ramifications for these in 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 the practice, and are there ways that organizations like yours, Ellen, can can help? Uh, I guess with the practice aspects of of what's going on here. Well, absolutely, and in answering. Um your your second question first um some states and ours is one that is is just just starting have actual practice management programs that work with the lawyer assistance programs uh we're about to unroll one this fall that helps with you know your the types of um you know billing calendaring docketing um these types of practice management issues that can end up leading to low level disciplinary complaints. And what happens is when they work hand-in-hand hand with the lawyer assistance program, there is, um, there is an ability to cross-refer because a lot of these problems do, do show up in both places. And as Dan said, you know, fatigue, sleep problems, trouble concentrating, um, these types of things, when they do rise to the level of impairment, are clearly going to impact someone's practice. Dan, you mentioned that there were some uh, resources available to attorneys. And one of the things that I noticed on your website is you have a significant number of links. But for those of us who aren't in uh, in the area, like uh, the Lawyers Concerned About Lawyers uh, website doesn't, um, I, and perhaps Ellen can correct me if I'm wrong, but how do lawyers in other states address this issue and where do they find resources that can uh, assist them? Well, I would start with... Uh Groups like Ellen's Fine Group, the, the State Bar Association, Hasler Assistance Committees. But, uh, you know, everybody can really help. In particular, people who, uh, who need help uh, can contact my website where there's uh, a listing of national, um, statewide, and uh, other organizations that they can contact. Um, and I think what's important, too, is for that person who's suffering from dep- depression to become educated about his illness. And um, one of the articles I've written on my website is uh, building a support group and what that would entail. And I think depression is not a disease you can handle by yourself. You need to have a good psychologist, a psychiatrist. I would recommend a support group, which I just formed here in Buffalo, New York. Uh, We had our first meeting uh, June 1st, and, you know, 12 attorneys showed up. Uh, I think uh, there's many other things you could do. Exercise, you know, you, you hear about exercise and weight control uh, in our country, but for, for people who suffer from clinical depression, exercise is just a critical, critical thing to do because it has effects on your neurochemistry. Um, I think another aspect uh, to talk about and think about is what can people do who, who have concerns or love or care about the depressed lawyer? And there's plenty of things they can do. There's a number of wonderful books that I cite on my website uh, that are recommended. There's a wonderful, wonderful book called uh, What to Do When Someone You Love is Depressed because those people need to be educated too. I remember when I first told my wife about my struggles, and, and in particular men have a great deal of difficulty sharing their own vulnerability and, and something like depression. And when I spoke to my wife for the first time about it a couple years ago, she was surprised, as my law partners were, and her first reaction was very interesting. It was, uh, she said, you know, are you unhappy in our marriage, or, you know, is there another woman involved? 
she took it personally, as if uh, my unhappiness was because of her. And I think that this is a very interesting uh, thing for people to think about, because there's a lot of myths about depression. A lot of people uh, who care about lawyers with depression really don't know what to do. What do I? What do I say? What do I do? They even if they want to help, and many people do. They just don't know what to do, and I think uh, a good place to start is by becoming educated about the illness and uh, going from there. We've reached that point in our program when it's time to take a short break. Uh, We'll be back in a few moments to hear more from our guests, Dan and Helen, so stay with us. We invite you to visit Law.com for timely legal news and in-depth resources. From daily headlines to practice-specific updates, Law.com provides up-to-date information to those working in the legal profession. As part of its coverage, Law.com is proud that J. Craig Williams' blog, May It Please the Court, and Robert Ambrogi's blog, Law Sites, are part of its blog network. Don't wait any longer. Visit Law.com today and get free subscriptions of our Newswire newsletter with the top legal stories of the day. Or sign up for a free trial subscription to one of our Practice Center sections. If you found us in the podcast library of iTunes, thanks for listening. Check out some of our other shows at LegalTalkNetwork.com and become a member. It's free. Lawyer to Lawyer is produced by the Legal Talk Network and a staff of broadcast professionals. If you have an idea for a topic or a show, we want to hear from you. Go to LegalTalkNetwork.com and send us an email. If you have a comment or question, we want to hear from you. Leave us a message on the Legal Talk Network listener line at 781-634-8959. We really do listen to the messages and even answer your questions on our next show. Did you know that Legal Talk Network shows are also available as CLE? Visit Law.com's CLE Center at www.clecenter.com. That's CLECenter.com to enjoy listening and get CLE credit for your continuing legal education. Check out our Lawyer to Lawyer host blogs, J. Craig Williams' blog at mayhavepleasethecourt.com, likewise Robert Ambrogi's blog at LegalLine.com for daily legal observations, perspective, and, of course, a healthy dose of humor and wit. A video settlement documentary can be the most powerful and persuasive way to bring about a speedy settlement in your client's case. The Boston Media Group has a staff of television professionals with 20 years' experience writing and producing compelling stories just like the ones you've seen on 60 Minutes or Dateline. We put a human face on the lawsuit with compelling interviews, dramatizations, and visual presentations of the fact. Think of it as a video opening argument that will compel the attorneys on the other side to settle. Call us for a consult at 800-317-5221. That's 800-317-5221. Or check out our website at bostonmediagroup.com. Welcome back to Lawyer to Lawyer on the Legal Talk Network. I'm Craig Williams. And this is Bob Ambrogi. We're talking about uh, depression, substance abuse, and other issues as they affect uh, lawyers in the practice of law. We'd like to welcome back our guests, Attorney Dan Lukasik of the firm Cantor Lukasik Dolce and Panna Pinto in Buffalo, New York. Uh, Dan is also the founder of the website LawyersWithDepression.com, and also Ellen Murphy, Executive Director of the 
organization, Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers in Massachusetts, which you can find on the web at lclma.org. Let's, Ellen, I, just, I wonder uh, whether uh, there is uh, organizations of your kind in other states, uh, and uh, if not, whether there's a, a movement on to, to uh, kind of nationalize or, or create uh, more of a national network of these types of organizations. Sure. The, the answer, uh, fortunately, is yes. Uh, every state has a, the equivalent of an LCO, what we call a lawyer's assistance program of some form or another. Uh, some have clinicians on staff, others simply refer to clinicians, um, to outside clinicians. And nearly all have moved to treating, as, as again, um, a, you know, a broad brush program to treating all types of, of problems, including depression. And the best place to find information on the program in your state is the American Bar Association's COLAP website. It stands for Commission on Lawyer Assistance Programs. And it's quite a lengthy URL. So I would say Google ABA and Commission on Lawyer Assistance Programs, and you'll get a link right to the commission. Um, All of the directors in the country work together and have a really tight network and frequently will uh, refer to one another across states. So it's a wonderful, wonderful service of the ABA. Dan and, and or Ellen, as you've gone through this and begun to help lawyers, it occurs to me that perhaps lawyers and law firms are not the only ones suffering from depression. And I know that Dan cited the statistic that four times the general population uh, are the lawyers that suffer through this. What about law practice, law firm staff uh, people? I mean, they, they're frequently put under the same level of pressure that lawyers are. Well, I, I think that's true, and you could say in many ways just as much or more, because uh, lawyers, um, you know, when they do delegate, sometimes they're under a lot of pressure and don't always give the best uh, form of directions or exactly what how to do things, and then the staff struggles with trying to get things done without always very much direction. And I, I, I don't know what the statistics are, but it would be very interesting to take a look at that. Uh, Bob, I'd like to just briefly come back to this point that I think that you raised and Ellen talked about, about impairment, impairment in the sense of uh, its implications for the practice of law. And I think the point I wish to make is this. Uh, I, I had given a presentation recently before our local bar, and uh, the bar director, who's a wonderful woman, said to me, oh, Dan, you know, it's so wonderful what you're doing helping these, you know, these poor, broken-down lawyers with depression. And I said, you know, I really don't feel that way. You know, and I, what I'm here to tell you is that most people who struggle with depression, including attorneys, are not disabled. Most lawyers with depression are fine people who are successful, many of whom are successful, and have, have overcome it. But it's it's a condition that you have to keep monitoring and treating. Statistically, uh, people who take antidepressant medication have an 80 to 90 percent recovery rate. But paradoxically, uh, about 70 percent of the people in this country never seek or get help for depression. So uh, I would imagine, and uh, based on the, uh, the statistics about lawyers, that that number is even higher. Uh, probably 80 or 90 percent of attorneys don't get help. And that really is the basis of my mission and what I'm doing. And, um, you know, it all came, my original intention for doing it was uh, actually Mother Teresa. And uh, I had heard her give a talk one time on television. 
and uh, she was asked about, uh, you know, uh, by a number of uh, reporters, you know, what, you know, what does God expect of us here? You know, what does he want us to do? And I think she said something quite touching and beautiful, and she said, you know, God just wants us to be a loving presence to other people. And I think there's something very profound in that, and I think that uh, reaching out to people uh, in a very humane way, uh, above and beyond the roles that we have as lawyers, can really do quite a bit to help people who uh, often suffer uh, in silence and alone. What I'm hearing you say is that there is widespread misunderstanding about depression, and I'm I'm willing to wager a guess that the same could be said about substance abuse and and some of the other matters we're talking about. And and obviously your site, and obviously Lawyers Concern for Lawyers, is going a long way in uh, bringing this forward, but... Uh, Ellen, let me ask you. I'm just wondering, what more should should the profession be doing? What should law firms be doing? Uh, do they have a role here in educating uh, their their members, their partners, their their uh, staff about these issues? I think they absolutely do, and not just in educating, but well, what they will do by educating is they'll also help reduce the stigma. You know, the more that we talk about this, um, the more the more energy that um, that goes that goes into it and the, you know it 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 compounds and um you know i i i wonder if we would be having this radio talk show you know a couple of years ago um there are more lawyer assistance programs now there's more talk about it there are good folks like dan who are out there uh, willing to tell their story and so i think just by communicating um you know i've i've dealt with law firms um in my role here, and frequently what happens is when a law firm first needs to get LCL involved in a case, they don't know a lot about us. And inevitably, at the end, they say, God, I wish I had known about you guys sooner. I wish we had turned to you guys sooner. Um, and if there were a way that law firms can just talk about it, let attorneys know that it's okay, that it's acceptable, um, it would go a long way in reducing the stigma and encourage people to get help sooner rather than later. Ellen, how do we go about identifying lawyers who may have this problem? I mean, Dan's situation, his partners couldn't tell. For the most part, his wife couldn't tell. Uh, how do you identify a lawyer or staff member, someone that's suffering from some type of depression or issue that's related to it? And then how do you approach that person and help them into a program like yours or another appropriate treatment program? Well, the 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 first question I I think is a is a little easier. Uh, being a, a non clinician, um, you know, I think you pay attention to see if they express feelings of hopelessness, you know, sadness, pessimism, guilt, uh, things that Dan spoke of. You you can tell if they seem to be unable to make decisions or to concentrate um, and to remember. And do they seem, as as Dan indicated, to have lost interest um, in in ordinary activities? Um, do they complain of, you know, a loss of energy, a loss of drive, uh, sleep problems? Are there, you know, appetite appetite changes? Um, and also just, I think, has their behavior changed suddenly? Are they um, irritable, restless? Do they want to be alone? Um, you know, are they missing appointments that they used to keep? So any type of sudden change. Um, and... I think knowing that if there if there are doubts about how to approach the person directly, you know, one thing to do is to use either the lawyer assistance program to talk to them about how to approach the person or to use, you know, Dan, I think, Dan, you have an email on your website. Yes, I do. Um, 
to to help answer the questions of how to approach the person. And I, you know, I don't know clinically speaking how how you would do that, but I know that doing it with um, with a kindness and an understanding in whatever way would be step one. Well, we've reached the end of our program where we uh, would like to get your final thoughts about the discussion that we've had today and wrap up any points that you'd like to make that we didn't ask you about, and also to get your contact information so that our listeners can reach you should uh, they have some questions or want to follow up with you. So, uh, Dan, let's start with you first. Well, I think that I'd like to turn back to uh, a lot of the discussion is concerned about uh, how to help and where to get help. And uh, I'd come back to the, uh, the Lawyers Assistance Committee, and I'd come back to the, uh, the website I created, lawyerswithdepression.com. But to go a step further to, than that, I would also encourage fellow lawyers uh, who are depressed or are listening to this podcast to get help to see their doctor to see a psychologist and or psychiatrist, and to think about um, joining a uh, support group uh, of lawyers with depression. There was a wonderful thing that just happened to me. I, I had an article that I wrote on my depression story published in Trial Magazine, which is the national publication for the Association for American Justice. And uh, I had several wonderful uh, emails and phone calls in response to, to the to the article, one of the best I received was from a, a, a woman in Albany, an attorney, who says, "You know, I would like to start a support group for lawyers with depression." And, you know, and it just really hit home to me that um, that that's what it's all about. And I think that uh, I really felt great about that, and it uh, uh, you know gave me the encouragement just to keep going and doing the work I'm doing. And Ellen. Well, I, I would just like to to say uh, to encourage everyone in the profession to continue the discussion, um, including those in positions of management and otherwise at law firms, and also to to the attorneys out there who feel like they may have um, a problem, but again, they think what they're experiencing isn't bad enough um, to just to check in, to check in with other people, or if if that's not an option, to check in with um, with doctors and others. And, and to take good care, um, I can be reached, and LC, LCL, I think you gave the LCL website, but I can be reached at ellen at lclma.org. And, Dan, I don't think we got your contact information. Well, the best way to contact me is uh, at the website. There's a contact button, and there's also a uh, a uh, a button in which to submit articles or comments. And, uh, you know, I also can be reached at my law office in Buffalo uh, at area code 716-852-1888. And I, you know, maintain a full and active practice here. And uh, I welcome anybody who has uh, issues with depression as lawyers or people who, who care about them to contact the website or me. Well, we'd like to thank our guests, uh, Dan Lukasik of LawyersWithDepression.com and, and Ellen Murphy of Lawyers Concerned for Lawyers. Uh, and as she said, they're on the web at lclma.org. And it's worth noting that both of those websites have, have extensive collections of links to, to various resources. So uh, anybody listening should check those sites. Thanks a lot to both of you. It's been a great discussion, and thanks for joining us. Thanks so much for having me. And Craig, uh, look forward to talking to you again next week. Likewise. Thanks again for listening to Lawyer to Lawyer with J. Craig Williams and Robert Ambrogi. 
We hope you'll listen again and check out our other shows on the Legal Talk Network. Lawyer to Lawyer has been sponsored by Law.com. The Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast, your resource for the tips and tactical advice you need to grow your business. Plus, keep up with the news and commentary you crave to stay one step ahead. It's hosted by me, Guy Sakalakis. And me, Conrad Song. Every other week, we break down the issues holding back your marketing strategy and talk about the changes you need to be prepared for. Check out the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Podcast wherever you get your podcasts or on YouTube.